God really is in all of our days because all days belong to him. In case you're wondering, there's a little bit of an elephant in the room uh, in that the COVID variant has our attention right now. We probably all thought, thought that we were past COVID and uh, that was probably our hope. Certainly uh, it was mine that, that that was behind us and things were turning and now we have a variant that seems to be pretty active and uh, we are not oblivious to that. Uh, I'm here today, number one, because Christ Jesus our Lord has called me to be here and he demands that we be gathered together. I will be here throughout the coming weeks. I don't know what those weeks are going to have in store for us. I will be here and anybody who wants to come is welcome to come. And you'll just need to recognize that you and I are probably going to deal with COVID for the rest of our lives. Uh, I think that that's where we're going. There will be one variant after another. I'm not speaking in a prophetic way as if I've been given a revelation from God. I haven't. It just seems to be that's the track that this is taking. So we need to figure out how do we live life in a COVID world. A COVID world is one that is broken and marred by sin that is being redeemed by Jesus Christ to be forever changed. And when it's changed, it will bring great glory to him because only he can do that. And so how do we live and how do we minister and how do we worship and how do we gather in a COVID broken world? Well, science helps us to discover some ways that we can do that and we ought to be moving towards those ways. And we ought to be active and serving the Lord while we're trying to make sure that we're doing what is right. If you have antibodies, uh, the research is showing that if you get the variant COVID, you're probably going to do just fine. You're going to have a cold, uh, cold-like symptoms or sinus-like symptoms, and it's probably that you are not going to be in the hospital if you have antibodies. And you can get those in multiple ways. One of the bigger ways right now is through the vaccine. You ought to consider that. And seek the Lord's guidance on that. We know what to be doing. We want to do that. We want to do it faithfully so that we can continue to minister. I want to be a good manager of the body that God has given to me. And so I want to do the things that make my body capable of ministering well. I even exercise and eat well and drink well so that I can minister well unto the Lord. I don't take COVID and put it in another uh, area of my life I see that I have a stewardship over health and I want to manage that health well and I want you to do the same so that you can minister well so let's just uh, let that be done and God has given us the opportunity today to worship and to minister and to do it together and so we're grateful for that opportunity you all right okay good let's turn in our Bibles to first Timothy we're in the fifth chapter I'm going to tell you up front that this might be a challenging passage for some. It might be an encouraging passage for others, but it is God's word for us today. And I think he has a great word for us. You know, the Bible reveals that honoring parents is the foundation, a foundational truth and premise of our society. We see it in the Ten Commandments. If you recall, the Ten Commandments give us direct ways in which we are to relate to God with holiness. And he lays that out by first saying, I am the Lord your God. You shall have another, no other gods beside me, before me. 
You shall not make for yourself a graven image, a carved image, one fashioned by your own hands in order to worship or serve it. And you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, and you shall honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Those are the first four commands, and they all are directed to our relationship with God. If you want to see it, it's a vertical way in which we worship God by determining these are how we walk with the holiness of God. Now, you and I fail miserably at this, and that's the reason why God has brought the Redeemer into our life, the one who has taken away our sin, nailed it to the cross, and died with it there, and given to us the way of righteousness and the righteous declaration that he has pronounced before God on our stead. So those are the commands that frame up how we relate to God, and then the next are the commands and how we relate horizontally with other people. And the order is very specific. He starts first with honoring our parents. You shall honor your father and your mother. And then you can see the rest of those. We don't murder. We don't commit adultery. We don't steal. We don't bear false witness. And we don't covet our neighbor's stuff. Now that number five is a very pivotal command. It's right in between how we relate to God and how we relate to others. And in the foundational way, he's saying that the way in which we honor our father and our mother will be a determinant in how we relate to others in the commands of God. If you're going to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you're going to love your neighbor as yourself then part of the way we love our neighbor is by loving God and catch this by honoring our father and mother I would go out on a limb and I think I can do so with all certainty to say that you can't love others without honoring your father and mother so you've got to get this nailed down God help us to honor our father and mother it's a big deal in fact, when you read the scripture, you'll find it as a reoccurring theme. Just the other day, I was reading through Leviticus, and I was in chapter 19, commentating as I'm going, just writing thoughts that come to my mind as the Spirit would lift them off his text for us. And here's uh, that passage, Leviticus 19, the first four verses. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I am. The Lord, your God, am holy. Now, that's a big deal, right? I mean, Peter's going to repeat that message. Uh, there are others in the scriptures that repeat that message. Be holy, God says. If you're in relationship with me, be holy, for I am holy. Now, listen how he begins to express these four attributes of holiness. I mean, there could be many of them, but he chooses four of them. And here's the number one. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. And you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols and make for yourself any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. So first of all, he's saying every one of us, if you're in relationship with God, every one of us be holy as he is holy. And every one of us ought to revere our mother and our father. Now that's different than the word honor. Revere is an attitude that yields honor so revering is a deep-seated attitude that God has given us that is prescribed for people 
who are in relationship with God who is holy and he says be holy for I'm holy and the way you exercise this holiness is have the right attitude revere your mother and your father revere them everyone he's not just talking about kids in the household he's talking about of all ages revere mother and father and God of course is demanding this of us and he's telling us how to do that isn't it fascinating that he says honor me with holiness by keeping my Sabbaths holy by making sure you have no other gods before me don't make a God by your own hands and revere mother and father so having the right attitude and action towards your parent whether you're a child or an adult as a child that's crucial to God in fact I would say it is part of the Spirit's sanctifying work in us who alone makes us holy so God demands that we're holy and he gives us the Holy Spirit so that he is working in us holiness by his own holy nature and the exercise of that is first by revering our mother and father in Matthew chapter 15 and Mark chapter 7 Jesus takes it and elevates it to another direction for people and he's saying to the religious people look all you have is lip smack about the way you honor me and the way you show holiness to God if you are not honoring your parents by caring for them in their elderly age then you are not holy that's what Jesus is saying you're, you're only in claim of holiness if you fail to care for your aged parents. And in today's passage of 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul explicitly talks about children's responsibility to their widowed parents. And he speaks about the church's responsibility to widowed women, people who have no longer their husbands uh, alive and available to them. And so he's lifting that. For the church now before we dive into that passage i want to make a blanket statement to the widows in this room those who are watching on our live stream or maybe listening on the radio or some other way i want you to hear this god is attentive to you if you're a widow god is attentive to you and god will care for you that is a certainty and God gives us that in his scripture in Exodus 22 he says this as a warning for those who may mistreat widows you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child if you mistreat them and they cry out to me I will surely hear their cry and listen to God's words and my wrath will burn and then he gives some directive about what that looks like and it's not a pretty picture over in Deuteronomy 10, 18, God makes a promise that he will execute justice to the fatherless and to the widow. Listen, widows, God cares and God sees. He will provide for you. And to God's people, he demands that we focus on those who are vulnerable, those who are widowed, and those who are in need of somebody to look after them he wants his people to do that in Isaiah chapter 1 he says learn to do good seek justice correct opposition bring justice to the fatherless plead the widow's cause that's what he expects of us as his people and to the church he requires that we minister to widows saying that religion that is pure and undefiled before God the father is this visit orphans and widows that visit means uh, be attentive to them put your eyes on them make sure that they have 
goodness in their life. It's, it's not just like visiting, hey, how are you doing? This is being attentive to them, putting your eyes on them. Visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's how we live life. So caring for widows is an, an important aspect of God's life and care and ministry. And so he is elevating that. The church has to focus on that, which is where Paul is in, uh, giving us an instruction in Timothy's letter here in chapter 5, verses 3 through 8. Let's read it together. Honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. If you're one to mark in your Bible, you might just circle those last words. This is pleasing in the sight of God. I want to be pleasing to the Lord. So this is, he's telling us how to do that. Verse 5. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. So though she's alive physically, she is dead spiritually because she is not engaged in the things of God. Verse 7, command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse, worse than an unbeliever. That's a big deal right there, isn't it? Well, let's take a minute and breathe, pause and pray. Lord, give us insight and help our heart to be receptive and our thoughts engaged in your word. And God, please, we pray for grace to be poured out that we might walk in the way of truth and live our life pleasing to you and effectually ministering in the way of Christ. And we pray it in his name. Amen. So a widow in our language and culture is pretty easy to understand. It's a woman whose husband has died. But in the first century, in the word in which Paul is using for widow is shara, which is really more, more uh, inclusive. It could be a woman whose husband has abandoned her, left her. And she doesn't have the means of support in, in their culture. Women did not work to provide an income. Uh, the man provided that for the household. And so here is a woman who finds herself deficient, vulnerable, without resources, without material means. And so Paul is saying to honor those widows, particularly the women who are vulnerable, without the means of support and income, whose husbands who have left them or or whose husbands are no longer living. And that's why Paul is saying, honor widows who are truly widows. He's saying, honor the women who truly have no means of support, truly no income, honor them, provide for them without resources and without the family in their life to care and support for them, show support for them. Uh, Ruth is a good example of that, she and Naomi who were left alone, destitute, uh, really needing to be dependent on someone, and no one was there to do that. 
if you remember they went to the fields to glean Ruth did for Naomi to glean the fields that was part of the welfare culture of that day where if you were a farmer you were not to pick up what had been dropped or not to go back through when you cultivated the crop or brought in the crop leave that which is left behind for those who need the resources and Naomi went and gleaned the field for Ruth her mother-in-law both of them who were widows they didn't have family which is why we love when the rescuer Boaz comes right because he is the next of kin and he brings them in that he might provide support for them in that same way Paul is writing to Timothy in that first century culture saying those widows who are truly widows without the means without the the material things that they have to have to thrive to live you ought to make sure you're honoring them so the church honors such women by caring for them and giving grace to them and that might mean material and financial needs if they truly are widows in need so without a doubt the first line of defense for widows is support from their family and the church is the second line of defense for widows although most of the widows in our culture have some support structure they have uh, some means by which they have been provided for maybe it's the pre-planning of the family that they have some financial support coming in from estate planning or life insurance or maybe in social security there's there's some network that's good in our culture but not everybody has that even if they do there's a spiritual and emotional support that is needed of all widows and so they ought to we ought to have them on our radar and constantly be moving towards them loving on them supporting them and caring for them but sometimes it's greater need than that and the church ought to be willing to step up and exercise towards them family support and attitude and action is is the duty that God gives to all families it's it's an obligation but it's more than an obligation it's the exercise of God's love and for God's love to be exercised towards other people the great command love God and love others is first demonstrated in our family towards our immediate family and our extended family and the family is the way in which we show that love so we each have an obligation to our family to care for those who are vulnerable and needy specifically children and aged people we are God's safety net for our family and if you're a child or you're a grandchild you are God's plan to provide for the widows in your family you are God's plan I think it's incredible that Paul is writing to Timothy to make sure he commands the church that if there are children or grandchildren in the congregation and they have widows in their family who are needy he says exercise love and godliness by caring for those women what an what an amazing opportunity for both children and grandchildren so the apostle Paul says that as we show honor to our widow family members caring for them and providing for them we put our faith in action and we show godliness by giving back to those who have provided for us life and support when we needed it 
So according to the Bible, God sees when children and grandchildren are acting in a way to honor and provide for the widows in their family. And if God sees when we do it well, the implication is God also sees when we don't do that well. When our attitudes are not right and our actions are not right in expressing godliness to the widows and those who are needy in our family. I'll just say that we struggle with this some because the culture in the U.S. elevates individualism and self-gratification above everything. The kingdom of God, though, promotes community and family and deferred gratification. And you and I, who are in Christ, are kingdom residents, kingdom citizens. And we're going to have to make a choice. We're going to make a choice to move towards the culture of our world that lifts up you being the individual and self-gratified. Or you're going to move towards the kingdom of God, whose Lord is your Savior, and say, I'm going to put family above my individual wants and needs and I'm going to build up community and family above me and when we do that we are showing godliness and we're demonstrating love now here's what God will do God is for deferred gratification God is saying exercise in your life of godliness today and I'll reward you for all eternity I'll make you a family like you've never experienced before. It will be of all people of all nations, and I will be your father and Jesus your brother, and you will be in harmony. And I, God says, I will provide all your needs. Did you know your brother Jesus is setting the table for you right now? Isn't that amazing? And he's going to provide for you. You provide for your family today, and God our Father and Jesus our brother will provide for us for all eternity. It's a pretty good exchange. Deferred gratification, a rebuking of individualism, and an embracing of family in attitude and in action. God highly values family, both our immediate and our extended, and he requires that we do the same. I'm afraid that we have allowed the culture to subjugate the way in which God is providing for families. As we devalue families and we thwart God's plan for our families, we put at risk those who are related to us, and we ought to rethink that. People who claim to be in the kingdom of God while not providing for the widowed in their family especially mothers and grandmothers, according to the Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul, those kind of people are deceived in their faith. In fact, the Bible states it bluntly that such people have denied their faith and are worse than an unbeliever. I think he's got our attention in this. So our call in life is to live sacrificially as Christ lives sacrificially. Uh, Kevin read a little bit of the second chapter of Philippians earlier which talked about the exalted nature of Christ Jesus but can I remind you what happens before that exalt exaltation he first humbles himself he humbles himself by becoming a man in flesh and it's because of his obedience even unto death to live sacrificially in that obedience God exalted him and that's exactly what he's calling for us to do, to live in a sacrificial way today, knowing 
that if we've humbled ourselves, he will exalt us in the days of head, uh, ahead. Now, here's three calls in the passage. Three challenges for us and three ways that God is mandating for us to exercise his truth in this. And the first is the call to the family. He's saying, show godliness to your household by your attitude and actions towards your parents. In fact, he goes on to say that because they took care of you, you're now to take care of them. Well, you say, well, they didn't take good care of me. That's beside the point. He's saying, take care of them now. They took care enough of you to be alive today, didn't they? <laughs> they, they got you to this point. And so he's saying, honor me. God is saying, you honor me and you reveal my godliness in you by the way you care for them, by the way you provide for them. He just jumps right over and says, this is about me and you, isn't it? This is about God's relationship with you and God's holiness in you and the demonstration of that. In fact, the demonstration is to your household. You are revealing to all your, the rest of your family the godliness that Jesus Christ has provided for you and the Holy Spirit is working in you. You're revealing that by your attitude and action to those family members in need, specifically to widows in your family. So if your parents are in good shape, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, enjoy that season with them. If your parents are not well, God, seek God's grace and God's strength in order to serve them well in the name of Jesus Christ to demonstrate godliness to all the people around you. And if you have a widowed mom or grandmother who lacks resources, be sacrificial, be gracious, and meet her needs. You are God's safety net for her. Now, repentance might be in order for some of us in the room. Just God has, has got your attention. You, you recognize that you might be off in his commands. And the Spirit has been working differently than you've been agreeable to. And a repentance is recognizing that and saying, Oh, God, I, I'm off direction from your word. What your commands are, I'm, I'm walked away from that. My attitude and my actions are not right. God, I repent. I change the way I think about this, and I come back in alignment with you. That's where many of us might need to be right now, as God's word has been declared through the reading of his word and the declaration of it. So this is a reset and a realign moment. This is an opportunity that God says, the rest of your obedience to that on a regular basis, just, just work out the plan. And I believe that God will give grace and God will give provision and practical help for you to journey on that path. So God's call for family, move towards them. Honor them who truly are in need. Secondly, God's call for the church. It's not just God's call for the family. The family is the first line of movement. The second is the church. So we must reveal our faith as a church by moving towards widows and caring for them well. Such a ministry often includes emotional and spiritual support, but it might include financial and material support for a woman who has no family and is left in need. So if you'd like to minister to widows here at Meadowbrook, one of the easier ways to do that is one of the structures that we already have in place. I'm going to run through those very quickly for you. 
And at any time, you can email us, info at mbchurch.com, and, and we'll get you connected to people who are already associated in these ministries. Now, you don't have to be organized. You can move one-on-one towards somebody, and you can engage in that way. It doesn't have to be a program of the church. It's just your heart, and you're going to step towards widows. But we have some programming that help us as a church to do this. One of the ways is through Allay. Bill and Sandra Chance, along with Mike Nemi, help us in this area of ministry. It's, it includes a lot of people who are widows those, and, and others who are more homebound. And it's a way of staying connected to them, calling them, talking to them, visiting them, writing cards to them. You can do any of the above or, or some of the above. It's just moving towards people who are more vulnerable, finding out what needs they have and try to meet the needs maybe include other people in that including this church Alay is a great ministry and i'm grateful for that uh, our open hands ministry and way of the cross ministries often are are helping people who are most vulnerable including widows and so you can connect in those ministries and serve widows in that way we have a grief share ministry which often includes widows and widowers uh, together and you can, you can help in that way. You can financially support that, or you can prayerfully support that, or you can engage in that ministry in some way. Our 55-plus ministry, which Kay and I are helping lead uh, during this season, you can join alongside of us. We can help you connect with people who are in that ministry. Our life group leaders uh, know in their class who are widows that might be in need, and you could connect with them and uh, maybe come alongside of some of them and support them uh, we even have people it's not a, a program of the church but we have people who are connected with manna and other ministries and and services in the community that that specifically help widows info at mbchurch.com might be an easy way for you to connect just tell us what you're interested in and we'll try to get you connected to some folks so God's call is to the church to care for but then God has a call in this passage to widows as well. He says, if you're left alone without support of family, uh, that, that we as a church want to love you, we want to do that well. In fact, if that's you, if you're a widow in this place and you have need, you don't have family that's supporting you, you have need, you need to let us know that. We have men and we have women who are eager to come to you and help you. If you have some things around the house, that need to be done we have people that want to help you with that if you have some material needs we have people that God has provided resources to and that we can help you in that area so those are without family Meadowbrook is your safety net and we want to display God's goodness and God's grace and God's godliness that has been treasured in us as a church family so as the Lord makes the demands for the church he is also in this passage making demands of widows and don't miss that because Paul is listing very specific exhortations to you and they begin in verse 5 he says first set your hope on God set your hope on God and then it just like God to put us in situations that we have to set our hope on him sure so set our hope in God, seek him in prayer, night and day, with supplications and prayer, you ought to be seeking God 
and his help. And then he says, live a chaste life with spiritual vitality that comes in this life that is yours in Christ Jesus. Those are the calls for the widows in this passage. So the widows of Meadowbrook have a pronounced impact on Meadowbrook. In fact, this morning I was just thinking about that. The ladies of this church who are widowed are strong in their prayer network. In fact, this church would not be successful without those women. They network in prayer like few other people network. And God has placed that in them. It's the reason why Paul is lifting that, elevating that to, to widows saying, this is your call, be in prayer night and day with supplications and prayer, seek God, seek him very specifically. So we're encouraged when those women are connected together. And I can tell you by personal impact, these women are amazing encouragers. They encourage and champion the ministries of this church and your pastor. They are faithful servants to Christ and this church. And if you're with me, Meadowbrook, you are grateful for the widows of this church, are you not? Now, if you're widowed, I don't want you to think that your most significant days are in the past. They are not. They could very well be your most significant days in the future. In fact, I was thinking about a young lady whose name is Anna. She longed to be married. And she purposefully honored the Lord and her future husband by remaining a virgin until her marriage. She dreamed of her husband and her serving the Lord together. However, seven years into the marriage, her husband died, leaving her a widow, a true widow, as the Bible would say. But she served God faithfully nonetheless. Experiencing all the shock and the horror of that tragedy and perhaps wondering how it is that she could survive in a world that devalues widow, Anna put her hope in God. In fact, she didn't depart from the temple day or night. She worshiped and she prayed and she fasted and she taught God's word continuously. She surrendered her life even as a widow unto the Lord to minister faithfully to him and to others. It was common for Anna's prayers to be filled with hope. In fact, she trusted and believed in God and his promises, and she longed for the Messiah to come. And she reminded the people of the prophet's words, promising the Lord's coming, and she built up anticipation of the Lord's redemption. As the decades went by, Anna experienced God's care and provision, as the scripture promised she would. And she knew where her help came from. Her help came from the Lord. And so she continued to set her eyes and her hope on her God. Then one day, at the age of 84, everything changed in her life. She must have watched a young peasant couple as they were arriving on the Temple Mount. She certainly saw them as they walked into the court of women the young woman holding a baby and the young man holding two turtle dove. 
they were there to present the offering to the Lord for the purification sacrifice that was required by law and to present their firstborn to the Lord also required by law I imagine when Anna saw her old friend Simeon move towards the baby with jubilation, she probably began to move close as well. And like Anna, Simeon had been anticipating the Messiah's coming. The Spirit of God had spoken to him saying that he would not die without seeing the Lord's Christ. And when she heard the old man's words of prayerful praise, she probably could not contain her own excitement because while holding the baby in his arms she began to listen to his words a proclamation and he said my eyes have seen your salvation for you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to the people of Israel and Anna began praising God and thanking him for the Messiah and she had envisioned this day I envisioned the torrent of tears and emotions that must have flooded out of her as she proclaimed in in really uncontained worship and praise God she expressed the wonder of the Messiah who was before her and soon everybody who had been longing for the redemption of Jerusalem was hearing from Anna that God had provided by the Redeemer Christ Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah had come. And she did that as a widow because she was faithful to her Lord to provide. Her better days were in her widowed days. Your life as a widow is probably different than you expected. You probably did not anticipate being alone. You might have thought the dream left when your spouse left. But I want you to hear me clearly. God's purposes for your life have not changed. Every day of your life was written before one of them came about. God has prescribed great ministry for you. And his spirit has not reduced in any way in capacity of your life. The call of God is still as fresh as ever for you. And even in these days, when your life is filled with want and maybe need, God says, I'm with you. Trust him for his faithfulness. Keep doing what he's called you to do. Be eager to keep your eyes on him. He's got a safety net. And if that safety net is failing, there's another safety net. And God says, my eyes are on you, and I'm providing for you, and I will be justice for you. He's still at work in you and around you and through you. Could I just encourage you? Be faithful to your call. As Anna sought and encouraged others to watch and prepare for the coming of the Lord and his first advent, so you, my friends, are to call and to watch for the Lord's second coming. Let others know that he's coming again because you're faithful to proclaim it. So trust God and be active so that at his coming, you'll be ready to greet him with faithfulness. Now let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Father, I pray for the widows of this room, of this congregation, of this church. And I pray, Lord, that their faith and trust will be more solid in you than ever before. And I pray that their call would be so clear and your grace so evident that their greater days of ministry are today and the coming days. And I pray for this church, Lord, that we would be eager to move towards widows with loving, caring, affectionate ministry. We would be givers. And I pray for the families of this room. For Lord, we all have some in our family who are vulnerable, who are in need. And I pray, God, your grace and care and provision would be given through us to them. Specifically, Lord, that we would move towards the widows of our family with the attitude and the actions as one who reveres and honors well as you have championed us to do so. Give us grace, I pray. Lord, let our heart be set on your kingdom rather than the kingdom of this world. and Let our motive be in honor of Christ Jesus, our Lord, who showed us how to live perfectly. And I pray this in his holy name. Amen.